Welcome back to the Good Lord Bird companion podcast. Once again, we're back after a very long hiatus, sabbatical, whatever you want to call it. We're back. I'm Andy White. I'm Trevor Mowry, and we're just a couple of guys from Lawrence who really enjoy John Brown. A couple of Kansas boys that want to talk abolition and bloodshed. (laughs) A very popular uh, topic of discussion. Indeed it is. So... Is this our third episode? I think so, yeah. I think this is number three, if I'm not mistaken. We've covered some ground so far. We've talked some history. We, I mean, we had like the setup, you know, episode one was kind of the setup. Like, you know, it was pretty early on when there wasn't really a shred of press about the show. So it was hard to find info. Episode right. two, I think maybe we, what did we do? We like covered some historical ground. We kind of like set the stage for what may happen, mm-hmm. what was going on in Kansas. That was the Andy White episode. Yeah, it's it was just where Andy White's talking the whole time. It was it was an Andy heavy episode for sure. And that's what the fans wanted, so we gave it to them. Get deep in those historical weeds. Yeah. So why have we been on such a long break? That's a good question. Uh, there was okay. Well, there's this thing going on. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. and. It definitely put a damper on some uh, creative plans that we had. So I think two two sort of things uh, happened. A, COVID-19 happened. And B, mm-hmm. the show was, the release date was delayed. So we expected the show to come out. I don't, I don't even remember, like early March, yeah. mid-March. Yeah. Strictly from the perspective of like trying to think about how to plan this show, the last few months have been very disorienting. Yeah. Because... We entered into a pandemic, and then right around that time, like the show was supposed to be coming out, but it didn't, and there was no follow up as to why that was happening. So, all different directions, totally confused. We were left in the lurch, for sure. Mm-hmm. And and just to kind of give a little behind the scenes idea, like basically we had no definite date of when the show was coming out, so we just thought of there's all kinds of content and episodes that we could make in the meantime, because we live so close to so many of the historical sites that are featured in the book and presumably in the, in the series. So we were going to do a lot of in-person sort of interviews with some folks. We're going to travel a little bit and needless to say that did not happen. Yeah. So why, why have we made a return? We got a trailer, baby. Yeah. There's a real badass trailer out now, which is uh was a big surprise to me yeah who found it first who like saw the trailer i think maybe jackie sent it to me okay i think and how did how did she stumble upon it i'm just curious because it's like is one of us constantly like hitting refresh on like the showtime webpage, just like waiting yeah i stopped doing that (laughs) weeks ago (laughs) like i wouldn't have known had no one said anything about it Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, if my memory serves me correctly, I think she sent a link to which I immediately started watching. I was so freaking excited. And mm. I don't know exactly what you thought about it, but I'm, I'm pumped. It was everything and more. Mm-hmm. I've got some thoughts for sure. So yeah, this trailer just came out like a few days ago and it blew me away. Mm-hmm. I loved this trailer from start to finish i've watched it so many times it's my favorite uh favorite trailer of the season absolutely i haven't been watching a lot of trailers so the competition isn't very fierce (laughs) but i i think that 
you know, we're all used to watching trailers and especially ones about historical fiction. I think that those have a very particular vibe. I'm just jumping right in. Yeah. Uh, do we it. want do we want to talk about like what the trailer is or anything? Uh, I just want to talk about maybe how I maybe it would be a good idea to just play through it and watch it together. Okay. Yeah. You stand for the Lord. The Lord will stand for you. Everybody got God on their side in the war. Trouble is, God ain't telling nobody who he's for. My name is Captain John Brown. And I am here in the name of the great King of Kings. I love the silhouette shots. Yeah. He is on the side of justice! And you are on the Ethan Hawke's face on that is incredible. Ugh. Whatever oh, he believed, he believed. Didn't matter if it was true or not. The old man was nuttier than a squirrel turd. Squirrel turd. <laughs> America reigns without a rival! That's something. Lots to unpack here. I Absolutely. I could talk about this trailer all day, really. Well, I think partially because it's been hyped in my mind for so long. We've waited a long time. We're, we're like we're like Star Wars fans waiting for a Phantom Menace to come out in line, right? <laughs> <laughs> but our waiting in line is making drunk podcasts. Yeah. If you've got any like initial things that you want to say about it, like we can go there. But I've got like a whole list of bullet points. Hit that I me. Go through it. Hit me with them bullet points. Okay. Well, I think the most immediately striking thing about this movie, or about this trailer, is the music. Right. I think, and I was alluding to this a minute ago when we were talking about what historical fiction trailers normally look, sound, and feel like. And I feel like, you know, those are pretty serious, like dramatic trailers, often very slow in their pace. And this is not necessarily fast, but it definitely has like a more like subversion of expectations tone. Absolutely. I, yeah, it, it took my my expectation and, and threw it out the window for sure. Right. Even like we, I could even talk more about this, but like the title design uh, feels very like contemporary yep. and not like a biopic about some historical figure from the 1800s. Totally. Which I'm really into. I think that. Like, there's a lot of things that contribute to that tone, but I think that the music is, like, the very first thing that uh, alludes you to that. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that's from the very beginning, like, I was definitely, we had this conversation kind of getting ready for this podcast, like, what the fuck is this music? Because it's incredible. <laughs> yeah. 
And we can put this in the show notes, I think is what you say in podcasting. But the name of the song is Electric Pow Wow Drum by a tribe called Red. And it is from their self-titled album. Yeah. Did some research on that. But it's funny because I don't know if you look the artist up. They definitely have some sort of like Native American influence in their music. Sure. Uh, I imagine that the artists themselves like are probably Native American. I didn't do it. Would seem so. A terrible amount of research, but what's funny is if you go to uh, their website, most of their kind of featured music is very like clubby. Oh, interesting. It's it's, it's very like EDM like club music. Hmm. Does it have a lot of like native style singing, or is it more? Of I felt thing? like me. I was definitely just like kind of skimming through a lot of their stuff, but it seemed like the song that we heard in this trailer is definitely like the one that has the most like sampling from that. Gotcha. Because. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like this song has like what sounds like traditional like native like music or singing in it. Mm -hmm. But their music as a whole doesn't really seem to reflect that. Interesting. I'll definitely have to take a closer look at that. I'm super intrigued. Yeah, that I mean that definitely I think point number one, like audio was unexpected. And then yeah, you like these title cards that flash up. Super contemporary, high energy, striking. Yeah. It's. It seemed like if I was going to cut a trailer, that's how I'd want to cut it, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I love when, you know, it's definitely like getting its job done as a trailer. There's this whole, like, I was just having this conversation with Raul last night about how trailers are ads, right? Right. Like, trailers have to be cut in a specific way to sell the movie. That's why a lot of trailers feel the same. Mm. But that doesn't mean that you can also do that with some uh, some creative expression, in what you create and so i felt like this did a perfect balance of both of those things like i'm excited yeah. about the show but i also felt like the trailer was unique enough i think on its own but also definitely unique as compared to how you traditionally handle material like this yeah i mean it, you know you're right where it checks a lot of boxes as far as you know you're establishing setting you're establishing time you're establishing your main character and like what they're about so you have some onion in there. So we see, we finally see what onions going to look like. We hear onions voice as a narrator, uh, which mm-hmm. I was really interested to hear because onion is a narrator of the book. You see Ethan Hawke absolutely crush some John Brown monologue. Um, yeah. You know, so they're really setting the stage for what to expect out of those characters. And Let's talk about uh, Ethan Hawke as John Brown a little bit more. Let's. W- what do you think about his appearance? I fucking love it. Yeah. <laughs> he looks crazy. Yeah. Like those blue contacts, I assume, is what he's wearing. I right? guess so, yeah. Like he looks like a ghost man. Yeah. He looks I... like John Brown's dead body. Yeah. Which the name of the song, right? Yeah. John Brown's body, mm-hmm. moldering yeah. in the grave. Yeah, I I think his look is seems to be right on point because a lot of what you you know, he's a ragtag sort of dude and a lot of what they talk about in the good Lord bird and the description of him is like, you know, like toes coming out of his boots and holes in his clothes everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a crazy look in his eye and an untamed beard. And we're seeing all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that, that rant that he goes on is just like, I mean, screaming at the top of his lungs, like blood, his, you know, face flush with blood, like, mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm so into it because, you know, there's a lot of takes on, on John Brown and his level of sanity. The good Lord bird plays a lot on the, the 
insanity of John Brown. And it looks like uh-huh. you see a lot of that here. Right. I, <laughs> I was really kind of taken aback by, oh, hold on. It appears that my food has been delivered. Woo! Get it. So, What'd you get? I, am. I got Jefferson's takeout. Yum. Hell yeah, dude. Ooh, this has paper in it. Hopefully that doesn't get too loud. Did you ask for extra paper in your food? Yeah. How much paper does this do these uh, wings come with? <laughs> oh, you're going hot wings. How Can do- I get a side of paper? You got boneless extra hot wings? Paper. Extra paper. Yeah, which is basically just chicken nuggets. Yeah. I I support that decision 100% because I feel like eating hot wings, I don't mind spicy food, but I don't want it all over my lips and shit, man. You know, like when you eat wings that are on the bone, it's like you're in for a messy time. Yeah, I just don't, I don't buy into the whole, like, I feel like there's this like masculinity thing associated with eating like traditional wings. Yeah. It's like, you got to eat it off the bone. Like, yeah. Like a fucking Neanderthal. And it's like, that's not an enjoyable eating experience for me. Yeah, it's not the best. Like, it just makes me messy. It doesn't make the chicken taste better. Yeah. Why are we doing this? Uh, This uh, episode is brought to you by uh, Hot uh, Boneless Hot Wings. (laughs) Boneless Hot Wings, a brand that doesn't exist. Right. Maybe back to this trailer now. I, uh, I was really struck by john brown's appearance in this or ethan hawk's portrayal of him i think that the blue eyes really caught me off guard like they look pretty wild which seems to be on brand with the thesis that they're taking for who john brown is in this show i also there's this like part in the trailer where he's like uh taking cover behind a house right Mm. and he like comes out and he does this like kind of hiss yell thing. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, I really didn't expect that. Like, do, do, right. did people do shit like that when John Brown was alive? <laughs> <laughs> the, the historical hiss. Yeah. That's like definitely a thing that I associate with like kind of modern, like, like lunatic characters who yeah. are like going, um, like violent crazy yeah like a batman not, villain yeah exactly like a joker-esque kind of person yeah. so to see john brown do that in this i was like what, what what's going on here? yeah i you know like so did you see ethan hawk on jimmy fallon he did like a press interview with fallon mm. that ends up getting like uh, taken over by fallon's kids which is pretty funny but uh so he's promoting he's promoting the show and mm. he gives a little background about how he he read Good Lord Bird. Uh, he and his wife did. They fell in love with it. I think he says that she encouraged him, like, "Hey, you should do this. You should, you should play John Brown." Mm-hmm. And so they go to meet uh, James McBride, the author. And you know, it's just he's just talking about how it's a character he fell in love with, and a book he fell in love with, and this great story. And so I can just imagine from an actor's perspective, as you read this stuff, imagining like how to embody what what is happening, like what you're what you're reading, because there's even in the best written books, you know, like everyone's painting the picture in their mind. There's so much that you, you don't know, or it's not described or you don't see, I guess you would say. And so, you know, in an actor's mind, like thinking about bringing a character to life, you think about moments like that, like that's gotta be pretty fucking fun. Yeah. I'll submit to that. Yeah. That is cool. It just really caught me off guard, but I mean, it's not, it's within the realm of like what this show is saying about itself from the very beginning, which is that it's not, it's not your mama's biopic. 
Right. It's very cool. I have like written in my notes, like as opposed to traditional sure. historical drama. Yeah, like, it's not. It's not like uh, Gettysburg. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other Civil War era movies that are just like they're cool if you're into that. But that's a you have to have the right sort of attention span and the right interests. And I think this is going to appeal to a much broader audience. And is right. the book is certainly written. Uh, it's not a, it's not a dry book. So I was along kind of the trail we're going down. I was really surprised by how like funny like a couple parts were. Yeah. Like you, I think I've come to expect that in a lot of just kind of blockbuster movie trailers. But this was like kind of the last thing I expected to have kind of like marvel level like humor in it yeah do you know what i'm saying it's kind of like safe for the whole family jokes but like makes the show a little bit more approachable yeah it's i think it's going to be actually very funny i mean the Mm -hmm. there's lines in the book there's situations in the book where you're reading and you're like i know before i started doing a lot of research on it i was like laughing out loud and i was like am i getting this right (laughs) should i be laughing right now and then i read about i'm like oh okay yeah yeah yeah, okay because it does it's not a topic that seems funny you know slavery is not funny abolition is not funny john brown not a funny guy you would think but james mcbride brings a ton of humor um Mm -hmm. which maybe that's just like you know to keep people interested and and is like a a vehicle for interest but i think it's going to be actually really funny one article that i read which is by aaron robertson of lit hub which i don't know that episode that website lit hub lit hub (laughs) but he called uh, the little snip of ethan hawk's performance as like will ferrell channeled in quotes which i thought was pretty funny and i think it's just attributed to that like little exchange that he has with frederick Douglass, where he like is supposed to be getting out of the crowd maybe you have better context for that but like it's pretty funny. He's like, you're not you're not supposed to be on this side. Like, leave. Get out of here. And he's, like, trying to figure out which way to go. It's just this funny little, like, Will Ferrell energy type of joke that I imagine is going to be in the show to a greater degree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there's there's a lot of unknowns in that realm. I think going into Frederick Douglass, that's, that's something where I think James McBride took a lot of heat because his portrayal of Frederick Douglass is who is a, a pretty beloved and sacred character, or I shouldn't say character person. People weren't, some people weren't super receptive to how he's portrayed. And so I'm interested to see what happens here and how people take that. You know, historical fiction's tricky like that, where it's like, you know, you want to, you're not making, they're not making a biopic. This is, a, mm-hmm. this is a, this is a fictional take on a real story so which is alluded to in those two title cards where it says in the trailer like this is all real some of this actually happened you know like that's such a good pairing of words there it says uh all of this is true most of it happened which i think is like a very self-aware way of like introducing the show is like this is historical fiction and also like we're taking even a a different take that you would normally do with a genre like this Right, yeah. Because it's it's kind of funny, like the those two phrases back to back. Yeah, it's just like most of it. Most of it happened. We're not really sure as the filmmakers. Yeah, it's a it's a hard wink for sure. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about the crew after doing a little bit more research. I don't know how much of this information was actually available. You know how however many months ago when we started. Yeah. But I think with the release of the trailer, I've definitely done a little bit more digging on it, and it seems like there's new information more came out yeah there's new info yeah 
so looking at like the directors so obviously ethan hawk is like the creator of the show and i from what it sounds like kind of the main uh writer but there's other writers but the director uh for most of the episodes of seven episodes um is this guy named albert hughes and he's not really known for a lot um he's uh, the director of book of eli which is probably like his biggest film do you ever see that no i haven't seen that stars denzel washington it's a post-apocalypse movie where he's running around this desert as a um kind of a road mad max warrior guy rad it's really cool you should check it out kind of flew under the radar and then menace 2 and then from hell with johnny depp and then he really funny funnily um directed like a couple like um shorts about the band corn <laughs> i know this is all news to me that's the guy at the helm out of for most of the episodes of good lord bird so strap in interesting but what's what's also very cool is um there's other one other person who's credited as director for at least one episode on this show and her name is i'm gonna try and say this haifa al mansur uh, but she is the first female director in Saudi Arabia. Cool. So she's like the other co-director on this show and is at least credited with one episode. But I thought that was pretty fucking legit that like that person very interesting. is yeah, behind the scenes on Love this it. show. The cast is uh, very interesting too. So you have David Diggs who, okay, look, conf- is confession time. I am not super familiar with Hamilton. I know that's like kind of sacrilege, but is it? I think so. Among who? A lot of people. I mean, like I know that Hamilton is a phenomenon, but like I don't think you need to be well versed in the nuances of it. So David won a Grammy and a Tony for his role as Jefferson in in Hamilton, which I that's rad. I mean, that's that's some fucking clout, <laughs> you know, like to be a Grammy and Tony winner in Hamilton mm-hmm. is a big deal. So, you know, him as Frederick Douglass, I mean, that seems like a, a you know, a perfect role. Uh, the other thing, there's there's two other characters that were interesting to me. Get, I, I really quickly, before you get away from Diggs. Yeah. I thought it was interesting because I didn't really know the Hamilton piece there. It seems like in the film world, he's actually doesn't have a ton of huge credits. Yeah. Like he's mostly a voice actor. It looks like, and then he's got a couple live action known fors. He was in like Zootopia. Zootopia. He was in that movie with the bull. It's like a Disney movie or something. I don't know that one. I don't know if he plays it, but it's like a bull. Hmm. Anyways, I just thought that was interesting that that got, I think I have to constantly remind myself that this is not like a huge high profile show. So like the credits of everyone involved is kind of mixed. Right. Yeah, there's a lot of unknowns, seemingly unknowns to the layman, for sure. A lot of names that I don't recognize. Uh, A name that I didn't recognize, but I'm familiar with, is Eller Coltrane, which he's he's cast as one of uh, John's sons. He was the star of Boyhood. The the kid? Yeah, the kid from the kid from Boyhood is now in and this. He's he's in a you know. He's a full-on man now. So he's, I forget which one of John's sons he is, but he's cast as a son. That's um, cool. Yeah. And then uh, Ethan's daughter, uh, Maya Hawk, is in the show as well. And she was in Stranger Things, which I didn't know that that was Ethan Hawk's daughter. 
she plays mm-hmm. Robin in Stranger Things, and so I had I had no idea of that connection. So, who in Stranger Things? Robin. Who's Robin? She's one of the newer characters. She's in season three, I think. I don't know if I've seen season three. She's the girl in the meme. Oh, the one with the sailor costume. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's Got his it. daughter. Oh wow. Yeah. How about that? Also, did you know that he was married to Uma Thurman? Ethan Hawke was married to Uma Thurman? Maybe he still is. I don't know. But yeah. Nice. Way to go, dude. Punching above your weight for sure. Yeah. Beatrix Kiddo and um, Mrs. Wallace. All in one. Oh, they divorced in 2003. Oh, no. What a shame. You mentioned his daughter, which he actually referenced on another interview that I listened to. Mm -hmm. From IndieWire. Did you look at that one? Uh Uh-uh, I haven't seen that. It's like a Skype call. It's pretty long, but I'd recommend it. Okay. It was really interesting to listen to because I don't know how recent... Was the Fallon thing also recent? Yeah, it was like last week. Okay. I still don't know what his tone was like on that, but within this last interview that I looked at with the IndieWire people, he seemed like so like stressed out. I'm (laughs) I'm looking at it right now. He's just rubbing his face. He's talking about like COVID-19 most of the time, it seems. I didn't watch the whole thing, but <laughs> he, yeah, he just seems like really, really stressed out about the whole situation. And that's understandable. Sure. And I'm sure he's been waiting to do press on it. I mean, if it was supposed to come out in mm-hmm. February and got delayed, he's, you know, I don't know what that feels like is, um, I mean, if you can imagine, you know, working on something for a couple of years, bringing this thing to life, bringing a character to life, putting together this team, filming it. And then getting it edited and then just sitting on it, you know, like I've always thought about that as far as like filmmaking goes, where it's like this long term collaborative process that like the timelines on it can get crazy long, Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's got to feel weird. You know, he's probably done other stuff or had other things going on and then you have to come back to this. Mm -hmm. A lot of the work that we get to make is something that is seen relatively soon. And if it's you know, hanging out in a hopper for a few weeks, you start to get antsy about it. You want to see it out in the world. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Switching gears here a little bit, going back to Ethan Hawke's portrayal of John Brown. Mm-hmm. In the trailer, they have little title cards for kind of the notable actors. And under John Brown, it says, Ethan Hawke as John Brown, the forty-four caliber abolitionist. Yeah. Which, is that like a common way of referring to John Brown? Or is that something the show's doing? No, I don't think that that's a common way to refer to him. It's not, I mean, not to my knowledge. I think it's I think it's a snappy line. I dig it big time. It's got some pepper on it. And apparently, it this is my uh, my guess when I saw that 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 has to have some sort of like historical significance because Ethan Hawke seems to really dig all of like the historical stuff mm-hmm. surrounding this character by his interview that we watched with like another organization like a few months ago yeah but 44 caliber is like based on like the rifle that he used which was a sharps yeah a sharps 44 caliber uh percussion rifle sporting percussion rifle and it was apparently like made specifically for him that it like do you know this no i don't know anything about that and i guess like the smith smithsonian has this rifle but it's uh, a sharps rifle, but it doesn't have any uh, maker's marks on it. It's just like a kind of a plain rifle that was like custom made for him. Oh, interesting. Yeah, no, I don't know anything about that. 
and so I think yeah because the uh, sharps rifle is like a pretty a pretty well-known rifle of the time yeah so that's super interesting but yeah the like the rifle itself has some historical significance and that just like made sense to me after seeing that uh title card on the trailer and you know you don't see him i don't think in any of the any of the shots in the trailer he's always using um pistols pistols yeah which i don't think that that's i don't recall him using pistols i mean i need to it's been so long since i've read that book but i need to go back and look at it i think a lot of the stuff that they were engaging was like more of a distance fight i'd be interested in some of that too like you have a better gauge on that stuff than i do but like yeah. even in ethan hawk's like early interviews he's kind of referring to john brown as a gunfighter yeah. which was like not the imagery that i associated with him like until i heard that no he's not so, like a gunslinger pistolero sort of guy right but he the way ethan hawk painted him in that interview made him seem like he was like a total like dual badass mm. you know yeah which it it didn't seem to line up with some of the stuff that we've talked about yeah. thus far. Well, when you think of when you think of iconic John Brown imagery, he's holding the Bible and the Sharps rifle. You know, it's like a Bible in one hand and a rifle in the other, and that's like iconic John Brown. So, I'm interested to see where they're going with this double pistol situation. <laughs> Maybe it was just cooler. Maybe that's one of the creative liberties they took. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, I'll I'll, I'll sacrifice some. Uh, historical realism for some gratuitous pistolero action. Cool with mm-hmm. that. I'm down for that any day. Uh, so yeah, that's an interesting take because they show them with the pistols many times. They show them drawing the pistols. They show them firing the pistols in multiple shots. So interesting. Mm-hmm. And then also, I think uh, we haven't talked about Onion very much. It's it's cool to see a character you haven't seen before. I mean, at least we have like these visuals of what John Brown looks like. Obviously, we don't have photos of what Onion looks like because Onion is a fictional character that the story is told through. But it was cool to see. Really quick, um, maybe you can help shed some light on this because I'm not as familiar with the book as you are. But in the prologue of the book, I'm sort of like partially through the book and you've read the whole thing. But... In the prologue, it, it talks about how there were, like, these papers that were found that was, like, an account of uh, a lot of the happenings of John Brown, and it references a person who claims to be, like, the only survivor of the Harper's Ferry thing. Right. And yeah. it it's... I, my interpretation was that, like, Onion is supposed to be based off of that character with, like, really no real history, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the setup. That's the setup is like, this is the account of that written from that perspective. The reason that kind of like caught me off guard is because uh, Onion has been referred to as a fictional character for you know the whole time that we've been talking about this and within the context of the book, I guess. But it seems to be based off of someone who maybe existed. I don't know. I, th- I take that first, I take that prologue as fiction too. Really? I think that's just the setup oh. for the character. Oh, okay. That's the way I interpreted it. Uh, I haven't I haven't read anything that made me think otherwise, but that was my take. Okay. Well, there you go. I don't know. It was just a little confusing because I was like, is this prologue supposed to be the motivation for the sure the writing of this book? Honestly, that I hadn't thought about that either. I mean, I didn't really think about it that way because I went into it thinking like, okay, 
I, I knew a little bit about the book just from like reading before I picked it up. Um, so I kind of started off in a fiction state of mind, but you may be onto something. I don't know, but I don't think there's anything in the historical record. Right. But you know what I'm, I'm saying though, with stuff like this, where it's yeah. like a very throwawayable mention of a person is in some documents that are found. And so like yeah. the fun creative thing to do is like create a fictional story surrounding that kind of real reference to a person. And if that is the case, I felt like calling onion a strictly fictional character was a little confusing for me yeah um i mean as far as i know yeah. i think that that's straight out of mcbride's mind I, I i will say that i don't think that like that onion existed in any capacity that james mcbride uh wrote them in but like it seems that like maybe somebody with that name maybe existed and was around the same time as john brown but maybe had nothing to do with each other i mean it's it's plausible yeah, I was, try- I was trying to look up uh, the credits of the the actor that plays Onion is Joshua Caleb Johnson, who doesn't have a lot of credits to his name. Seems to be kind of a newbie. Um, doesn't even have an IMDb photo, I believe. No, uh, yeah, total total newbie, uh, which makes sense. I mean, Onion is a is a like a kind of a preteen kid, a boy that is mistaken for a girl. And then due to a lot of circumstances throughout the book remains identifies as a girl uh, when it, when it suits him, which, you know, trying to, trying to stay out of gunfighting and, and pillaging and, and war makes Mm -hmm. sense, (laughs) but also just a hilarious narrator. The, the, I think the onions take on John Brown is constantly hilarious. There's even a clip where you see like a silhouette of, john brown on like a hillside and it's like an early morning sort of shot like Mm -hmm. reading the bible Mm -hmm. there's these references constantly where like onions talking about you know captain brown getting up early to read the bible for you know hours before everyone else and then before they go do anything john brown will pray for like 45 minutes and people literally fall asleep while he's praying Mm -hmm. um so i think that they're you know I w- it's just fun to see those little Easter egg sort of things in there from like, you know, even just like these one second snippets are, um, it's kind of a little bit of a payoff there. So, yeah. But hearing that voice, I think is interesting. You know, like we had talked about, like, uh, I don't know how they're going to tell the story this way. So to see that they stay pretty true to the book and that onion is going to be a narrator, at least in some sense, um, you know, you can talk a little bit about like in filmmaking, sometimes the narrator's a really big role. Sometimes it's, you know, cutting in and out. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. I think that, you know, I've seen this kind of story structure and we all have in movies before where the story is really like the most interesting or like driving presence in a movie is the quote unquote secondary character. So like the, the book is about, the perspective of onion onion is the narrator so you could make an argument that that's the main character but uh it is about the real life character john brown so from what i saw from the trailer it seems like ethan hawk is definitely like a big presence on screen and it will probably center around him maybe more so than it does onion well at least that's a selling point though too you know like that could from like that side of the trailer could be a like you know, Ethan Hawke is the established. Totally. So, like, there is no real con- conclusive evidence one way or the other because you're right, it could just be, like, a way to market the show. Um, but I could also just see the show being 
that yeah because that's like a creative liberty that it could take separating it from the novel and i don't i don't have like a lot of familiarity with the novel so i don't really know in uh the printed page how much it leans one way or the other but maybe that's not even an argument to be made maybe it's just about both of them mm. equally yeah it is it is, i would say that i mean i think screenwriting and and adapting is something that um I haven't thought of too much, you know, as like um, as a critical viewer. My expectation that the book is always a little bit different than than what, or the movie is always a little bit different than what the book is. I think bringing you know a book to screen, there's certain things you have to do to be able to tell the story, and so when you're reading, you read a lot of you read a lot of quotes from Brown, but there's a lot that Brown's not saying that's just being described. So I don't know, like as you adapt that stuff, are you only, are you only verbalizing what was written for him? Are you adding more stuff in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause a lot of what a narrator says is also like blocking and stage direction, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, tough to say. Cause I know that like, this is controversial, but I think that filmmaking is an infinitely more complex process than a lot of other art forms. And so there's yeah. just a lot of a lot of things that you're juggling all at once. Yep. And that's the reason that like books are so different from from movies. I think that we're all familiar with the like the book was better sort of argument when dealing with like adaptations, but I always get kind of frustrated at that because it's just a different medium, right? Like it yeah. has it has to be different. Like you can't yeah. experience the same thing that you experience in the book on screen like that's just right. not, not how it works yeah it's not a realistic way to think about it and honestly it's not a competition it's not mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like it, it's just there has to be certain things that happen in there that there's no reason to have to try to pit them together mm-hmm. you know on on what's better there's just certain storytelling elements that are gonna look different and feel different between the two because they literally have to be so mm-hmm. i really dig the way the title looks in this trailer yeah yeah not like anything at all like resembling what like the cover of the book just as a counterexample looks like right it's a i don't know how to how to really describe it it's sort of this like organic kind of blocky kind of like hand-drawn look it's not any sort of like recognizable font yeah it kind of looks like a bunch of stones like clashed together yeah i guess i'm focusing on that because i'm an animator it's my day job I have to sure. pay, pay attention to that stuff. But yeah, it, it, it just feels, it almost feels like comic book. Like, like it's it does this, have that element. Yeah. It's this kind of very big, bold lockup for the show where like good Lord bird is like a three tiered thing with each word on its own line. And they kind of make up this column of text on their own. And I don't know that combined with all the other elements that we discussed throughout it just feels like it's making a really solid effort to be like a cool subversion of expectations show. I 100% agree. Like it's definitely like a contemporary graphic design piece where like the cover the cover of the book is cool, but it's it's what you would expect like historical fiction to like that's what I expected the sh- the aesthetic of the show to look like where it's like some pretty subdued folk art sort of stuff. Um, and this is very much like a a big fucking wood stamp you know it looks like a, a woodblock print maybe yeah something like that i really so. dig when people do this because i feel like maybe you can speak to this as someone who is like studied history in college but like i don't know it, it just seems like a lot of how we portray history 
like at least in film mediums like feels very bland you know yeah Uh, at least like that has to be your default and otherwise you need to be this very like skilled and maybe that's for the the purpose of just like preserving history you know not trying to taint it in any way but like i love when when people are like no like history is fucking like badass and you can like make it look badass so here here you go with this cool ass font yeah i think you know you could look at i think i brought up like gettysburg earlier or what like lincoln where they're cool they are what they are but it's it's kind of dry history sort of stuff yeah this is seems more like if gangs in new york was like sort of the influence you know like it has more of an aesthetic where it's like a timepiece it has a specific historical setting but they're really embellishing like the style you know it seems like maybe a heavy-handed take on that on purpose and i love that i love big swings totally well what else you got that about covers it with uh, my notes yeah i think i think me too as far as the trailer goes I would highly recommend watching a book of Eli. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely take that on. It's not the greatest movie in the world, but I mean, it's like a fun, it's a fun little like evening watch to feel familiarize yourself with the director. That sounds great. My ladies just got home. Ladies. Yeah. Who's lady? Emmy and Shay. Mm-hmm. How much do we want to talk about our personal lives on this, uh, on this podcast? Zero? Half, half of the fun is like getting to know the host, right? of a podcast that you like mm. like in what way what do you want to know what should know. we say what are your uh, what are your hobbies what do you bench <laughs> <laughs> man i haven't really been doing anything um i feel like i've been trying to get my work knocked out my photography has not uh hasn't been a lot going on there um so i'm excited to to do something creative have you been shooting like interior stuff no nothing like you just haven't been no. shooting at all not really uh here and there i have i mean i've shot some some commercial stuff that i liked i've shot some you know snapshotty sort of stuff that i liked but as far as like a long-term project no i haven't i feel like one of your strengths is shooting like what feels like a lot compared to me at least mm. you know i think mm. that you do a really good job and maybe this is just how you operate and it's totally subconscious but you're like i'm gonna get out and shoot something like and it doesn't even have to be for your job like i think that you just take joy in documenting things uh really engaging with your craft in a in a pure way and i think that none of us are strangers to like kind of the moment in history that we're living in right now and i think that you often have greater conviction when it comes to like understanding like your place in time with (laughs) that sort of thing (laughs) i don't Uh, know man just just accept the compliment that's all yeah, you got to do right now. I, I appreciate that. But so I, I've been curious as to like how you've thought through that from a photography standpoint, like w- the environment that we currently live in, like what that looks like on film. Um, so to now shoot a torpedo into every nice thing you just said about me. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, like I said, like I've shot a little bit here and there. I haven't shot really anything that I like or is of worth any substance in my own personal work. Um, I'm not super feeling it right now. And one of the reasons is, um, you know, I, I have like this creative ebb and flow that is like, feels very low right now, which is seems trying to be forgiving with myself and see that feels normal. But the, um, 
the other thing is like because everyone has so much time on their hands and everyone feels like they need an outlet like a lot of everyone from on the spectrum of who i follow online from like very normal people to like amateur photographers to professional photographers to like really high level professionals Mm -hmm. are all sort of coping in their own ways Mm -hmm. and i've been flooded with so much good and so much noise that like i kind of it's kind of almost like kind of fucked me up you know like in a way where it's like i i don't know what i want to shoot and i don't want to contribute to the noise yeah so um I think there's some fucking incredible photojournalism happening um, mm-hmm. that's just kind of blown me away. I think there's a lot of um, posting for the sake of posting, and you know that I feel a hundred different ways about that. But yeah, that's where I'm at. I feel you. I think that I've been very aware of that, and for that reason, I've actually shut a lot of my normal stimulus off. Um, mm. Like, I really haven't been consuming much of anything. Like, there was a period where I had Instagram deleted completely off my phone. Right, you um, weren't Insta-like at all. For, like, a month or something. And, like, even now, I'm, like, kind of on there very sparsely, and I definitely don't post that often. But uh, even, like, you know, YouTubers that I follow, like, other filmmaking people, like, I just haven't been, or podcasts, like, I just haven't been listening to any of that. Maybe really quick, we discuss briefly on like when we might do this again. I think every couple of weeks is good. I okay. think maybe like bi-monthly. Isn't that what it's isn't what that what that would be? Because bi-weekly would be twice a week. Bi-monthly would be twice a month. I have no idea. I'm 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 the film guy. I'm not the calendar guy. <laughs> You're gonna need to call cal- the calendar department on this. <laughs> the calendar department. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Why does get the boys and get the boys in calendaring on this? (laughs) Oh, that's great. Why isn't that a thing at our job? People, the calendar department. I could, I could use somebody in the calendar department. The calendar department sounds like a good band name, also. Holy shit, it does. Yeah, that's actually a really good band name. Yeah, the calendar department. Noted. Okay, so yeah, it looks like we may be back every two weeks. Is as far as like when our next next episode is, I think that's a little unclear right now, because I think in the midst of COVID, we're all trying to brainstorm like what that, what kind of content we can make prior to the show coming out, and that's just kind of dictated by the world that we live in right now. So we'll see where that goes, but definitely when the show airs in August. Uh, definitely when the show airs, we'll be trying to stick to our initially planned schedule, which is an episode per episode, right? Yep. <laughs> uh, you got it. So whenever we meet again, we look forward to it. Yeah, buddy. I can't wait. This is super fun. I'm, I'm so, I'm so stoked on this. Ditto. I'm like kind of tonally, I'm like setting you up like here and there. Oh, and I'm like, okay, you, <laughs> I'm like, so this you is what to we're going to do next. And, uh, and I'm kind of like allowing some I space can jump in there. and you're like, uh huh. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, yeah. I think, I think, um, bi-monthly, it sounds good. You know, we'll do what we can do. We had a lot of grand plans, uh, before coronavirus ruined everything about, uh, awesome people to talk to and, the and the, um, historical community uh, around Lawrence, uh, people that have something important to say and can sort of paint the picture of what this book is going to be about, um, or at least the history behind it. We're still working on that. We'll see where it goes. Totally.
Oh, really quick before we go, I just want to plug my other podcast really quick. Uh, is that okay with you? Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm a co-host of another podcast uh, called The Film Hole. It's on wherever you get your podcasts. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher. But we talk about movies, we watch movies, and as Andy alluded to, it's just kind of buddy hangout time. So if your tastes are similar to ours, you might enjoy it. And uh, you can look us up at, at Pod on Twitter. I, I really like the film hole. I think uh, I like listening to you guys banter back and forth, uh, chop it up. I like I find my I found myself on Raul's side quite a bit. Me and Raul thinking the same things about. What do you mean of, Raul's side? There's no well, sides. Not, not you're not against each other, but a lot of times I'm like, uh. the hole itself is a circular object. Everything <laughs> it, everything is equal in the film hole. So yeah, you can take you you can take that perspective uh, right back and shove it up your film hole. <laughs> Yeah, I, I shouldn't have said side. I think brainwaves. I'm okay. always like, ah, oh, yeah, Raul. He took the words right out of my mouth that I wasn't speaking from. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And Andy will be on this next week's episode, which is about the movie Juno, 2007's Juno, written by Diablo Cody. So tune in for that, too. Here, here's a really quick uh, question for you, and then we'll get out of here. In podcasting world, it's kind of sometimes seems to be the norm to like have a name for your audience that has something to do with the topic that you cover what's the equivalent of that to uh glb companion podcast here browners i was gonna say like brown nosers <laughs> yeah that works um, i'm sorry i'm not i'm not coming up with much right now <laughs> cool well food for thought yeah and we'll we'll address it in we'll, the next episode let's think about it yeah cool in the meantime, we'll see you later, brown brown nosers. <laughs> Adios, everybody. <laughs>